tonight that he's always on time he's never late he's never early but he's always on time we praise God for that I've been thinking today and maybe you can pray it with me 
So many times it's easy for God to pray that God would get in your direction, that God would go the way you're going. But the Lord's been dealing with me today that I need to get in the way he's going. I need to go where he's at. And I don't know about you tonight, but I'm here tonight to get where he is and flow with him and go in his direction. And we're excited tonight, so blessed and so honored to have Melissa Gross sharing the word of God tonight. Would you help her, help me welcome that? So excited for her to speak tonight. And I know if I know Melissa very well, I know that she has prayed and prayed and prayed and God has given her something and we can't wait to hear it. And we're so glad to see each and every one of you here tonight. So we want you to get out in the aisles and welcome one another into God's house tonight. Hey. Yeah. Jesus said it. Everybody, you should have been there when I 
Jesus Christ in your heart tonight. Amen. Isn't it good to be in God's house? How many of you are actually glad to be in God's house tonight? The writer of the word of God said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I want to read a scripture to you from Psalms chapter 50, 150. It says, praise ye the Lord. writer said praise ye the Lord praise God in his sanctuary praise him in the firmament of his power praise him for his mighty acts how many of y'all the Lord has ever done anything good for you ever in your life amen praise him according to his excellent greatness how many of you saw the sun this morning come up right on time it's going to set exactly right on time. The moon's going to take its place. And we're going to orbit around the sun just perfectly overnight. Thank the Lord. Praise Him for His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. And it says in verse 6, you know it, say it with me. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you do that one more time? Just lift up praise unto the Lord tonight. Amen. What that verse is simply kind of telling us is we ought to just praise God with everything we have. When I was a youth minister way back in the day, I would say to the young people, I'd say, now we're going to do 30 five seconds of pure praise and I said I want you to use your feet your hands your fingers use your hair whatever you got on your body I want you to find a way to praise the Lord with it you ought to have seen the pandemonium that would take place in that room they would just shake all over the place and give God praise I'm telling you there ain't nothing wrong with that give him praise and let him be let it be known that he is God over all the earth and all of the universe. And he is the great God of mighty excellence and power. And he's worthy of our praise. If we did nothing tonight, if we didn't sing another song, if we didn't hear a word, if we didn't come to an altar, altar call, if we did nothing for the next 45 minutes to an hour, but lift up praise. And I mean, it never stopped. We just kept on praising God. How many of you know it would be well worth our time to give him the praise? I hope you've learned. I hope you've learned the power of praise. 
Brother Charlie, I've been, I've been discouraged. And I will just get off somewhere and begin to praise the Lord. Just honor Him and exalt His name. And I'm telling you, it, the heavy burdens begin to lift off of me. I've, been, I've felt attacked before by the enemy. And I have, I have done nothing. I didn't have anything else in my hand. I had no other weapon except my praise. And I begin to praise Him and let God know how awesome He was and how little the devil was. And how much greater He was in me than he that's in the world. And I remember watching over and over and over again the heaviness around me, the tack around me would just dispel. And the enemy would do exactly what the Bible says he would do. The Bible says you resist him and he'll what? He'll flee from you. Now, when the enemy flees, that he don't just go, ooh. No, he turns high tail and runs. When he flees, he runs. Doesn't that make you just want to right now just honor you Jesus I love you Jesus I praise you Jesus I praise you coming in the door I praise you going out the door I praise you in the sanctuary I praise you in the altar I praise you upon stage in the choir I praise you in the pew where I'm standing tonight because when you praise that's you resisting the work of the enemy in this house. I want you right now, however you want to do it. If you want to clap your hands, if you want to just lift your hands, if you want to lift your voice, however you want to do it, I want us to take about 30 seconds and give God praise in this house tonight. Would you help me? Let's praise the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. We lift you up and honor you, Father. We magnify you and exalt you above all other any other power in this earth or in this world. We come tonight in your name. We stand in your name. We have our victory in your name. And we bless you tonight, Lord. And we thank you for your love in our lives. We thank you that you lead us. We thank you that you guide us. And that, Lord, you protect and you keep us. For we are here tonight, not by our own strength, not by anything we've done. We are unworthy to even stand in your presence. The very best of us here tonight are unworthy. But how many of you know tonight the Lamb is worthy? Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, He's worthy. Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, it's feeling good up in here. Hashtag revival. You can be seated. Can I just testify to you tonight? God is answering prayers. God is answering prayers. I'm telling you, every time I turn around, someone else has given me a testimony to God answering a prayer. I, I am amazed. I even had Sister Tool tonight. She, she, as I went by to just shake her hand, she said, my, the Lord is doing things in this church telling you I'm, I'm here in answered prayer I told somebody I said there is no way you could label it anything else we're in a season of answering of God answering prayers I'm telling you he's doing it you need to believe him you need to trust him you need to call out every need you've got to him God is going to provide he's going to bless he's going to guide and God is going to save how many of you have lost loved ones that we're still praying for amen I'm believing God is answering prayers so I want to thank you tonight for being here. And I want you to get ready as our ushers come to serve you. I want you to just bless the Lord with your gifts. You're not blessing the church. You're not blessing the denomination. 
when you pay your tithes, you're not paying your tithes to the church. You're paying your tithe and you're giving in offerings unto the Lord. And when you give in that right mindset, tell you, I don't know that I, I've never given a dollar in an offering or in a service where I was giving it to the church. I always make sure the Lord knows I don't come empty-handed into His house because I've come to bless His work in His name. Amen? Bless the Lord tonight. Bless Him. Praise Him with every thankful gift you've got and anything you can do. Find ways to honor Him in your house, on your job, with your family, with your friends, wherever you go. Find ways to praise the Lord in everything that you do. Father, as we come tonight, we honor you and we bless your name. I thank you that you're a God who meets our needs and that you provide for your people. So many times, so many stories of how you have instantly, miraculously come through for your people. We honor you tonight and Lord, we bless you in our offering. We bless your name and thank you that we have been blessed and we give you honor for it all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight, I want, as we get ready for the word, I want you to open your heart and your mind to Sister Melissa as she comes. She works with our discipleship group. She, she's our discipleship pastor here at the church. I was talking with her at lunch the other day and as we were sharing and talking about discipleship ministry. And, it was kind of a meeting where we were just going back and forth over the plans and the things that she's got going in small group ministry here at our church. I felt impressed as she was sharing about her love and her passion for discipleship. I said, man, the church needs to hear this. And it wasn't long before we got almost to the end of that, that lunch where the Lord instructed me and said, you ask her to speak Sunday night and share that. She's come with a message and I'm excited. How many of you love Melissa Grawl? She is a wonderful young lady. We love her. She's anointed. God's got his hand on her, and I believe she's got a word for us tonight. And I'm excited to be in God's house. So she'll be coming as soon as our choir blesses us with their worship tonight. God bless you. Lord, my brothers and my sisters, we have come in one accord to worship and adore you like we never have before. Want to know you now in a new and different way as we worship here before you. Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place, Lord. Let your glory fill this place, mighty God. Come and fill your holy temple, consuming fire fall. Let your glory fill this place, mighty God. Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill. 
you singing them down. Praise the Lord. I mean, what a great song to set up to preach. It's like the greatest preaching set up song in the world. Um, I just want everybody to stand with me for a minute as we get into the word. I'm thankful to be able to share with you tonight. Um, like Pastor Ray said, um, we were talking about discipleship and the, the passion of my heart is to, to gr grow up people who know him, who are like him, who affect change in the world around them. That's the purpose of discipleship. And it's a passion of my heart because God has done so much for me in this journey. I want to read from Psalms chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version because it has such richness in it. It says, I waited patiently and expectantly for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up out of a horrible pit of tumult and destruction, out of the miry clay, the froth and slime, and set my feet upon a rock steadying my steps and establishing my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many shall see and fear, revere and worship and put their trust and confident reliance in the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord, and I just submit myself before you, Lord. You have placed this vision this transformative process inside of my heart, Lord, and all that you have placed, Lord, I pray that it would come out in abundance. It would bring transformation to your people, that it would bring realization and revelation of where we need to go as a church and as an individual, God. I pray that your word would go forth with power and change our hearts and minds tonight, Lord. Get me out of the way. Let me diminish and let you increase, Lord, and I give you all praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to take you a little bit on a journey of where I've been. And I'm not going to take you in this journey as someone who has all the answers. You know, sometimes I think when you see people come up here and preach, you think, wow, they have it all together. They're perfect. There's nothing wrong in their life. And I mean to tell you tonight that I am a human individual with struggles and issues just like anyone else. But through the grace of God, through his power, I am able to be transformed just like you are. And so I want to share a little bit of this journey with you. And um, I shared this when I spoke at Celebrate Recovery. And I love this little story, and it's from one of my favorite TV shows. And I want you to understand that I am a friend and not coming to you as someone who has all the answers. It says, this guy's walking down a street and he falls into a hole. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, hey you, can you help me out? The doctor writes a prescription, throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts up, father, I'm down in this hole, can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer and throws it in the hole and moves on. Then a friend walks by. Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. Our guy says, are you stupid? Now we're both down here. And the friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. 
we, I speak to you as someone, like I said, who doesn't have all the answers, but I know the way out. I know the power of God and the transformative power he has to change your mind and heart. And I want to share that with you tonight. This kind of started, this little journey started about a year ago um, when uh, Brother Sargent was here, not this past year, but uh, 2014. And one of the things that he said was, you need to rebuild your structure. And he was preaching, and I received that, rebuild my structure. Because what happens to us in life, our experiences, how we're raised, all of those things kind of formulate together how we process through life. You know, how we react to situations when they happen to us. And, you know, I have my own life, my unique experiences, and I process through life in a particular way. And sometimes what happens is, you know, maybe you've had bad situations that have happened in your life. I think we have all can, have, can attest to some things that have not been great in our life because we live in a very fallen world. And those bad experiences kind of infiltrate us as Christians, and we react like that instead of reacting the way God wants us to, to be renewed in him. And sometimes we get stuck in those patterns of, well, this happens, and then I react, and then I I repeat the same mistakes and then I go back and I then I repeat the same mistakes and I keep getting myself stuck in this pattern of living and I had been like that you know if something happened to me I would just be a basket case the enemy knows where to hit you he absolutely he studies you he knows exactly where to hit you it's like a boxer if you're weak in a certain area the 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 your opponent is going to continue to hit you in that area until you fall to the ground and are destroyed. You have to fortify that area of your life so that, that you are not open to attack. So through that whole process, I knew what my weakness is. Financial issues are a weakness of mine. If I, Maybe it's because I'm a single woman and it all falls on me. You know, the, the plumbing backs up. I got to fix it, you know. The car has problems, I gotta fix it, I gotta find, you know, I don't have a backup. And so financial issues are a particular struggle for me. And every time something would happen, I would just, I would just go, ah, and throw it up and God didn't hear me, God doesn't know where I'm at, blah, blah, blah. And, and we, I, I don't think I'm the only one that feels that way sometimes, I hope not. <laughs> But sometimes we get stuck in that thinking, where's God in all of it? When really, God has been where he's always been. It's, it's us that need to, to understand that. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. And this is so profound to me, and it hit me a couple of months ago when I read this. My sight and what I see is filtered through my own experience and how I perceive life. When I walk by faith, which means I put my trust in him, then it is absolute truth. And so I think sometimes we view life and we view God through our own experiences. For example, if you were abandoned as a child or you've had issues like that, sometimes people feel like God is gonna abandon them, right? And they live life feeling like God is always going to let them down and they never fully trust him. 
it's true of any different thing that we have in our life that we can get stuck in that pattern of thinking. Discipleship is the practice of becoming like Christ. It's the practice of it. It's not, we got this perception that when you get saved, oh, discipleship's just for new believers. Well, true, it is. But discipleship is something that we should always be growing and, be, and growing in our relationship because as Pastor was talking about today, we're never going to attain it here. We're always going to be reaching for it. Every day we should be growing to be more like Christ. And how we're more like Christ is how we love, how he acts, how he behaves, his attitude, his love for people. That's what we have to place in our own life. So in this scripture, after the Lord showed me at that revival that I needed to rebuild my own structure, the week after that, I came to the scripture in Psalm 40. And as I was reading it, I saw a process in it. And I'm going to read it again, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to hear the process. It says, I waited patiently and expectantly for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock, steadying my steps and establishing my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many shall see and fear and put their trust and confident reliance in him. Do you see the process? There's a process. There's a process to discipleship. There's a process to growth. You're not going to wake up one day and suddenly be like, I know everything. I know how to live this life. I've got no problems. It's never going to happen because we're continually reaching. But in this process, I feel that there are four areas of of what this scripture means to us and our part in this and God's part. Because God calls us to partnership with him, too. He doesn't just say, well, I want you to do all this. He does his part of everything. He doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't ask us to transform ourselves. He doesn't ask us to save ourselves. When he died on the cross, he did that for us. We couldn't save ourselves. And God doesn't ask us to deliver ourselves and to transform ourselves. So there's his part in it, and there's our part. So in this is, where is your condition? What is our current condition? Perhaps maybe you're feeling stuck in life, and you're feeling stuck in this pattern of continually repeating the same thing. We know about the children of Israel. They wandered around the desert for 40 years when it was a a, a week's journey to the promised land. Why did they wander around? Because God was trying to teach them how to live and how to move and how to love him. They weren't getting it, so they just keep wandering around. We get stuck like that, and we keep continuing to repeat those same things. So what is our current condition? What is our part in the process? What is God's part in the process? And what are the results in this process? Because God wants you to know where you're going. I I was telling pastor, I said, sometimes we get really good of saying, well, you know, you need to do this, 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 and this. And we never tell people what's going to happen, what God is going to do in our life. We kind of just like, we leave that out. We're like, okay, you got saved. You need to get discipled. You need to do this, 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 and you need to read your Bible every day. You need to do this. And we never tell them what they can expect from God. There's expectations. God wants us to expect things from him. 
It's called faith. It's called hope. And so we have to realize that. So in this process, there is a result of what we're trying to get to. So I was telling Pastor, <laughs> I've been working on this for about a year and a half, and I started teaching a Sunday school. So we just started. If you want to, we're going to dive into this in more detail. But I have, like he says, I have 18 pages of notes. I have a year and a half's worth of information <laughs> in this little uh, condensed uh, few minutes that I have. <laughs> so I'm going to try to get through it as quickly as I can. Um, so just bear with me. Um, first thing I want to focus on is what is our condition? What is the pit that is referring to in the scripture? What it's referring to specifically in the scripture is that it's noisy. It's a destructive place. It was like a cistern, and that's what held water. And there was rushing water that, could hap that can happen in there. It was very noisy. And at the bottom of it was this clay, and it was muddy and slimy. So can you picture being in this pit? It's dark. It's noisy, and you can't see, and you're stuck, and you're trying to get your footing. You know, it's like... When you are going a walking trail and, you know, it says, wide is the path that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life. Well, when you go on a walking path, like on a trail or something, what happens is, is that so many people walk that same path that it gets so worn down that after a rain, it's really muddy and really sloppy and you can't get your traction. You know, some of us have been living our Christian experience, and I'm not talking about sin. I'm just talking about life on the path that he didn't have for us because we're just trying to, to make it. We're trying to survive, and we're going on this path, and we're not getting anywhere. You know, God wants us to have abundant life. Abundant life does not mean a million dollars. Abundant life means joy and peace. It means a life that is filled with all the wonderful things God has for us. But we just, we think abundant life and we think we need, you know, a BMW in our driveway. That's not abundant life. It's not abundant life. He wants us to have all those wonderful things. But we can't get traction sometimes because we're stuck in this mud. How do we get in there? I believe that there's a cause and effect to life. Everything, there's a cause and there's an effect of that cause. And as I was saying before, how you were raised, how your, your parents raised you, your life experiences, all of those cause, and they cause you to affect your life in certain ways. It causes you to make decisions. It causes you to behave a certain way, all of those things. And when we get saved, we have to, trans, we have to let the Lord transform our mind to where it's not survival mode or this is the way I've always done it, it becomes what does God want for my life? It becomes how do I view God instead of how do I just get through life? And I'm going to get more into that here in a minute. But the cause and effect to life, you know, ask yourself the question, how did I get here? Am, am I really living the abundant life God promised me? Am I really living it? Or am I just skirting by and living this, you know, I get up and I go to work and I, I have a good family and I have whatever, but are you really living? Because there is purpose in your life beyond going to work and having a good job and having, you know, a nice family. And all. There is purpose. There is kingdom purpose that God's put down in every single heart of every single person. Are you fulfilling it? You know, we're building a new church, and I believe... <laughs> 
It's going to be awesome. We're going out into the community and outreach. What is your part in it? Don't think, well, because I'm not doing this or I, I don't have talent like this. You have been given talent and abilities for kingdom purpose. Absolutely every single person in here. So the cause and effect causes us to maybe feel like we don't have that and that we're just living this life. It affects your choices and reactions to life, and it makes us who we are. It says in Romans 12 and 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world fashioned after an adapted to external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable perfect will of God and the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. I have this little philosophy that I kind of follow in my own personal journey and how I grow. I believe that meditating on the word leads to revelation, leads to transformation. When I meditate on the word, the Holy Spirit starts bringing the revelation. Have you ever read a scripture and you're reading it and all of a sudden it just like grabs you and you never look at it the same way? You start to evaluate your life by it. You start to think, wow, I need to apply this to my life. And then suddenly you become transformed by it. It's not enough to just sit there and, oh, I checked off my list and read through the scripture. You have to meditate on it. You have to eat the word every single day because when you do, it starts to affect you and becomes part of you. That is something that I do in my life and started doing. And I have found that when I need the word, it's there. When I'm going through a hard time, that word comes alive in me and it's there. And I'm able to bring it up when I need to. I look at the life of Paul. You know, Paul, we know he was a religious leader and he was killing Jews at the time, right? What, it was so interesting, this popped into my head was that Paul thought what he was doing was right. He thought he was honoring God. He thought that he was doing the right thing because he was following the law until he came face to face with Jesus Christ and his entire world, he was transformed. That is what God wants to do in us. We go through life thinking, okay, well, we're doing the right thing, but we have never let God come in and transform us and, and let us look at life in a new way and have a new attitude that when we go into our workplace, that we make a difference, that people say, wow, there's something different. You know, it's not enough to be outreach driven, like, oh, well, we're gonna do outreach in the church. We are the outreach. Where we go is outreach. We are not just, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna donate my time to this and that, and that's gonna be my out, no. When you walk in the grocery store, you're outreach. When you go to Walmart, you're outreach. When you go to work, you're outreach. You are the light in this city, in this world for Jesus Christ. So Paul was transformed. We have to be transformed. Why do we stay in the pits of our life? Because we're, we're afraid. Simply put, we're afraid. We're afraid of change. Who here really likes change? Not me. <laughs> I have, I've been at this church for a long time, 25 years. I've been at my job for 18 years. I, I apparently am not a big fan of change because I... <laughs> Longevity is my name, and 
So, I mean, it's kind of funny, but I don't really like change, apparently. And who does? You know, Pastor Ray told me something once when I, when I took this uh, position in discipleship. He told me that every person needs two things in life, security and significance. I've never forgotten that. We all want security, and we all want to know that we, make, we matter, that we're making a difference. And I believe God put that inside of us. So we like the security. So sometimes we will stay in the same old rut because it's what we've always done because this is better than what I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, I stay in a job for 18 years even if I'm unhappy because, well, I know what I got here. I don't know what I'll have here. And that's sometimes how we feel. And you know what? Discipleship, growing in the Lord, it takes work. This is not something that you're never going to just wake up and go, wow, you know, I'm just going to grow today. No, you got to get up with purpose and you're going to say, I'm going to grow. I'm going to see God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to read my word. I'm going to pray every day. It takes work to let God transform your life. It's not just going to happen. It's not going to happen. And so we stay where we're at because it takes work sometimes to put ourselves in position. So I want you to think about the pit. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about it here in a minute, but you have to change your position. When you're in a pit, you're looking at your situation and going, why am I in this pit? I'm in this pit. I'm in this pit. Why am I in this pit? I'm in this pit. When you start looking to God, your position changes and you're looking to him. And now suddenly you're not looking at the pit, but you're looking at him. And now you've placed yourself in position to be pulled out of the pit. But see, we don't want to do that because we're so focused on where we're at and why we're unhappy with where we're at instead of saying, okay, maybe God doesn't want me where I'm at, but I need to make sure I look up at him so I can be pulled out of the pit and be put in position to be pulled out. Um, so why are we in the pit? Why are we staying in the pit? What are the results when God delivers us from the pit? It says, he has put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many shall see, fear, and put their trust in the Lord. To me, that is like the Great Commission. He puts a new song. When I think of a song, I think song has this attitude, you know. You have, if you put in a song that's kind of happy, you're just like driving down the road like, I'll listen to a song that I really like and I'll put my sunroof back and it'll be a good day and I'm like happy and I'm waving at people and it's like, yeah, this is great. And then if I'm having a bad day, then I'll put in some kind of, you know, sad song. I don't know about you, men probably don't do this, but ladies, do you ever put in movies that make you cry because you just need a good cry? I've done that before. I know that's ridiculous, but I've done that before. So we'll put in a song that maybe we're sad or, you know, maybe we've had an issue in our life and we'll listen to a song. Songs have a way of transforming attitude. You know, it, it changes you. And he says, I'm going to put a new song. It's not the same old song you've been singing. You know, I, I ask the question, what is your theme song of life? What is your theme song? What do you think the Lord's song is for you? Because your perception of how God feels about you makes a big difference in where you're going. And so what is, what is your theme song? My brother told me that my theme song was Indiana Jones. 
the theme song from Indiana Jones. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you have a total perception of me that is not true. I don't feel that I'm a big adventurer, but he sees me as that. And I thought, that's kind of interesting because other people have a song that they think fits your life based on their perception of you. So what is your song? What is God singing over your life? What do you sing about your life? God says, I'm gonna put a new song. All things are passed away and all things become new. He makes all things new. It's one of my most favorite scriptures in the entire word of God is that he says, behold, I make all things new. That means whatever happened to me yesterday is passed away and that everything now is new. It's new. I have a new outlook. I have a new way, a vision for my life because it doesn't matter what happened now. It's where I'm going. God is a now God. He is not a back here God. He's now. He's now. And the, the second thing here is that the song will bring worship, the worship, worship of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Do you know that discipleship is constantly getting you to a place that he is Lord? He is not just my buddy. He is not just, well, Lord, what are we doing? It is, he is Lord. Do you know what that means? That means that he has dominion in my life and sovereignty in my life. That means I don't get to just say, we are living in a, I'm asking for permission or forgiveness life. We ask the Lord, oh, will you please forgive me for that? Because I made a terrible decision. Or, hey, I'm going to do this. Can I do it, God? And we make these decisions, and then when they fall apart, and we repeat the same patterns again, and we, they fall apart, and we end up in a mess, then we look at God and go, where were you? We never consulted him to begin with. We never consulted him. He has to be Lord. That means that he, when I wake up, he's the first thing I think about. When I go to bed, he's the last thing I think about. When I go to work, I'm like, Lord, what do you want from my life today? Not, hey, I'm going to do this. Do you bless it? No, it's what do you want from me? That's where we have to get to. And, and people don't want to hear that in this day and time because it has become about me. Me. And I'm going to talk about that here in a minute a little more. And then the second thing here is the Great Commission. It says when you're transformed and when they see a difference in your life, they will turn and they will worship the Lord and, and reverence him. People see you um, and they are going to change and they are going to turn to the Lord because of what they see. You know, you can talk a good game all you want to about Jesus Christ. And well, I go to, this is my favorite thing. People say, well, I go to church. What does that mean? Everybody... Half of the United States goes to church. What does that really mean? I go to church. No, you have got to go from, hey, I go to church to, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. He is the center of my life. He is everything to me. You've got to go from, well, I go to church. Okay, that's cool. Really happy for you. But you have to go further. And I, I hear it all day long at, at work. Well, I go to church. This is where I go to church. This is where I go to church. But there's no fruit in their life. There's no holiness in their life. I want someone to see and say they know Jesus Christ. There's something different, and, and they know him. And because that's what makes an impact. Okay, I'm trying to hurry. I want to talk, I'm going to really hit our part of this. 
there are two things here that God is requiring of us in our process of growing and transformation. It says, I waited patiently and expectantly upon the Lord. Faith. Everything in Christianity, everything that has to do with God is wrapped in faith. You have to have faith. There's no other way around it. I have this little analogy in my head. If you're sick and you go to the ER, who likes to go to the ER? No one ever likes to go to the ER because usually unless you know you have a limb falling off of your body, they are not going to see you in a timely manner because there's just so many people. So when you go to the ER, you've never met this doctor before. You have no idea, but you know that he has credentials, he or she has credentials, that they are a medical doctor and that they have an answer for you, right? I don't go to the ER and think, well, they're not going to see me because, you know, they're going to put conditions on seeing me. Like, he saw me eating a Twinkie out of the vending machine, the doctor did, and he's not going to see me because, well, I'm not taking care of my health. We do the same thing with God. We don't expect the doctor to have conditions. They're going to see us because it's their job to see us, and we're sick and we need help. But it's very interesting to note that people will say, well, God isn't going to touch me. God isn't going to deliver me because of this, because I have this in my life, or I did this 10 years ago. We put conditions on God helping us. Why do we do that? It's crazy. We don't do that in the worldly sense. Why do we do that in in that sense, because we think we have to act a certain way, that our love is earned for God. It is not. He loves us, period, no matter what. His credentials are Lord of Lords. He's the Redeemer. He is our peace. He's our strength. He is everything in our life. His credentials are greater. So why do we not have faith in his ability to change us? We have to have faith. Why do we struggle with faith? Because it's either we believe in his ability or we don't believe in his ability to do something for us. You know, I've seen many times where people have prayed and, and they're like, they'll, they'll pray, the, I've done it. I pray the fire down for somebody else. And then, and then my own issue, I'm like, well, God's not going to do that for me. Why do I think that? Because it's clouded by my own perception of my life and all the things that have happened in my life. And I think that God is conditional and he is not. Sometimes when we're disappointed, you know, we say this all the time, God never disappoints. He absolutely never disappoints. But let me tell you, when you go through disappointment, guess what that means? It means that my expectation wasn't in line with where God has me. It was in line with what I wanted. Disappointment happens when I'm looking at me instead of looking at him because he will not disappoint. It may not happen the way I want it to, but it's going to happen the way he deems it to. When I get disappointed, it means that it was my way and not his way. The other thing here, and this was the biggest thing that's happened for me, is determination. Faith is not a feeling. You're never going to feel faith. It's not a feeling. It is a choice. 
It is a determination that I'm going to believe in who Jesus Christ says he is, and I'm going to believe that his word is true, and that the devil is a liar, and that I'm going to believe in him, and it's for me. I have, you have to get determined. You have to get so determined that you're going to see God and you're going to put yourself in position to have him touch you and transform you. It's got to, it's got to be at the forefront of your life. You have to have a determination. In Philippians 3.10, it says, For my determined purpose is that I might know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing, understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection which exerts itself over the believers, and that I may so share his sufferings to be continually transformed in the spirit and his likeness even to his death. My determined purpose is to know him and that I may be transformed. That transformation happens through trials. That transformation happens through his word. That transformation happens in hope. Faith has to be tested. How do you know you have faith unless it's tested? I mean, you can say you have great faith, but until it's tested, how do you really know? You know, you can say, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah, if I spoke to this mountain, it would totally move. I'm telling you right now. But if God said, okay, speak to the mountain, you'd be like, what? <laughs> I was just, you know, I was just saying. <laughs> I was just, you know. Um, but until, you're until it's tested, how do you know you have faith? How do you know? I wasn't going to share this um, because I don't want to make this about me. But we're all living testimonies of what God can do. Um, I found out this from a week and a half ago that after 18 years, on my 18th anniversary where I work, that they eliminated my job. Suffice to say, I was a little in shock. I actually think I stared at my computer all day and I didn't move. <laughs> and I just, I was processing. And what do you do? And I realized something a few days ago, and I haven't shared this with anybody, but one of my secret fears, and we all have them, one of my secret fears is that I would lose my job. I never told anybody because I didn't want to give the, the devil ammunition, you know. You don't want to go around and tell the, the devil what you're afraid of, right, you know. Um, but it was one of my secret fears, and I didn't realize that until I felt like the Lord brought that to me. And it's, it is amazing how God has transformed me. Because if this had happened a, a year or so ago, I would have been a basket case. I am not. I have not been. And I'm actually amazed in myself. Not in myself, but in the power of God to change me. And... Um, and what's even crazier is that the Lord has told me not to go back to work. <laughs> and I'm actually going to uh, pursue um, what God has put in my heart in discipleship here at this church and in my writing for a few months until he tells me it's time to go back to work. And I'm stepping out in faith. And I'm telling you this 
that no matter what happens in your life, if you trust him and have faith in him, he will not disappoint you. He will not leave you hanging because I have been praying for, to be in full-time ministry for a while. This is not exactly the path that I would have chosen <laughs> to lose my job, but I have been praying about it because God has put things in my heart. And so when he tells me to go because he's Lord of my life, I'm going to go. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but it's not my job to know what happens tomorrow. It's my job to trust him now. It's his job to prepare it before me. If I'm not going back to work now, when it's time for me to go back to work, he's going to have something for me. And that's how we have to live. And can I just say something? It is fun. I never thought that I would be like almost excited about the unknown, because I'm a planner. Pastor Ray knows that I am a planner. And I'm like, you know what? This is, a, this is awesome. Because God has heard my prayers, admittedly, not the way I wanted it to go. But he's doing that. And I'm telling you, the power of God to transform us, to make him center of everything that we are, is powerful. And that no matter what comes your way, you can hold and have faith in him, and he will not leave you and disappoint you. You have to settle it. You have to settle that God is truth and the enemy is a liar. Everything in his word is true. I don't care if your Aunt Tilly told you that you were going to always be a failure. God says that you're more than an overcomer through Christ. So that means that what Aunt Tilly tells you is not truth. I don't care who tells you, who's trying to influence you. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it is not truth. It is not truth. He is truth. Settle that. Stop living in the gray area of life and trying to say, well, you know, God's not going to do it for me. Yes, he will do it for you. Yes, he will because his word says he will. He has not put a but your name in anything that he says. He is not going to break his covenant for you. I'm not that important for him to break his covenant and say, well, I'm going to supply your needs except for Melissa Graw. I'm not that important. He's not going to do it, so he is going to take care of everything. You have to settle that. You have to settle that his word is truth. The enemy, everything the enemy says, if it's contrary to the word, is an absolute and total lie. There is no truth found in him. But guess what? We believe him because of our own perception of our life. We have got to change that because then it becomes easier to believe the word. The next thing is submission. He heard my cry. Crying out says, I need help. Crying out says, I've done it myself and it has failed and I need you. It is about surrender and submission and obedience. You know, all that God really requires from us is obedience. I mean, really. And, and for some reason, that is like the hardest thing for us to accomplish. And do you know why I've realized something in some of my studying? Is it goes clear back to the garden. And for time's sake, I'm not going to go into the whole scripture. But when the serpent came to Eve, he says to her, Can it really be that God said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? That got Eve thinking. Always a question. And then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat, that your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil, blessing and calamity. And then the woman saw that the tree was good, and she ate and gave to Adam. What's so interesting in this is that 
God or the serpent was trying to get her to doubt God's love for her and that he, God had her best interest at heart. And I think we live our life thinking that God, does God really know what I want? God, does God really understand my needs, what I want, what I'm looking for? Does he really know that? And I think that's why it's so hard for us to be obedient because we want what we want and we don't want to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What does he want for our life? Because what he has for us is greater than we have for ourselves. He said, I will do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think, dream, hope, according to the power that works in us. He wants more for you than what you want for yourself, but we fight him because we're not willing to be obedient, submissive to his will, and so we're at this constant state of war with the Lord. And then the enemy throws in his little attacks, and then we're, we're over here believing the enemy if we would just be obedient. Because when we're obedient, there's peace. You know, there is peace in righteous living. When you're not living righteously, you are in a constant state of war. You know, Pastor Ray said this many times. He said the most miserable person in the entire world is a Christian who isn't living right because they're in a constant state of war. When you are righteous, when you're in line and you're obeying God, I'm telling you, the sky is the limit to what he can do in your life because he's wanting us to be righteous because he does have our best interests at heart. Because he does have our best interests at heart. Um, yeah, I don't want to miss anything. How does this impact us? We keep ourselves stuck because we think that God doesn't love us and doesn't have our best interests. We quote, all things work together for good, but do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? Because the first time something bad happens, we throw our hands in the air and think God has forgotten us and forsaken us. We live in this very, it's all about me society. It's all about me. Um, what I want, where's mine? I want this. Um, you don't love me. God has forgotten me. I want, I need, give it to me now. Constant. When we're so, fo when, when I focus on me, I'm miserable. I'll be real honest. And I realized this a few months ago in this process of transformation. When I would get down about my circumstance and think, wow, I, I wish it was different. I, I just don't love where I'm at right now. And I would look at it and I would get frustrated with it. And then I would just be like, why hasn't God moved? Why, Lord, haven't you moved in this? And why haven't you done this? And, and it became all about me. I realized when I changed that and I said, okay, God, this is where you have me. I may not like where I'm at, but this is where you have me. This is my purpose right now. This is my season right now. And I find contentment in it right now because this is where God has me. And when I would do that, guess what? I wouldn't get so down. I would be okay because I knew that this is where God had me and I was in his hand. We have to change that. It has to be about him. Christianity is not about me. It's not about me. It's about him. Christianity is about him. And he works through our life. He blesses us so we can bless others. He uses us and he transforms us so that we're a light to people that don't know him yet. Because he is always searching for those that are lost. He's always searching. He's always trying to reach your lost loved ones. 
There is somebody that God has put in their path that needs to be a light because that light is going to shine on them and they're going to turn. Do you understand that's how the kingdom works? So if you're not doing it, you reap what you sow. So you better get your life together and you better start letting the Lord shine his light because it might be contingent upon what he's doing in the life of your loved one because that person may be expecting you to be a light to be able to minister to their family member that they have been praying for. It is about the people around us. It's about the people around us. It's about him and it's about them. And he uses us as those vehicles for that change and light into this world. Um, I'm going to skip a little bit. What is God's part in this? And I'm going to go through this really quickly. You know, God does not expect you to get yourself out of any mess that you're in, any mindset that you're in. He does not expect that. He wants to deliver you, but he wants us to take a step first. He tells us, come close to me and I'll come close to you. We take a step, he takes a step. He says, he drew me out of a horrible pit and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps and my goings. He's the one that pulled me out of the pit. He's the one that sets me on a rock. And you know what that rock is? That is on Jesus Christ. He's always referred to as the rock. That means that your life needs to be reestablished. Your foundation needs to be rebuilt on Jesus Christ and who he is and not on your own thinking and in your own perception. We rebuild that through his word and through meditation. And then he steadies our steps. That means that the Lord just doesn't throw us out there. He doesn't pull us out of the pit and says, okay, go make it happen. He walks with us. He makes sure that we're going where we need to go. He has purpose for us. He sets, he sets us up and has purpose for us. And it's so important to understand that, that you have purpose. You have purpose. It says in Luke chapter 6, 47 and 49, and I'm getting ready to close. It says, for everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and heeds their teaching and does them and does them and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and went down and laid a foundation upon the rock. And when the flood rose and the torrent broke against the house and could not shake or move it because it had been securely built and founded upon the rock. When I read that, when I started my discipleship journey, and I saw that digging deep means putting that word in your heart. It's not enough for it to just go here, but it's got to get down here to where, again, it brings revelation and transformation. And that rock has to be built on Jesus Christ. You have to meditate on who he is, what he can do in your life. And that starts to change you and change your perspective on things. You will be revolutionized. I am, I, it's funny, I was, as I was putting this together, I realized I was living this out and not realizing it. Because last year, I told the Lord, I said, 2015, I'm going to be determined that I'm going to be the best Christian I know how to be. I'm going to be the best minister I know how to be. I'm going to love people more. I want to be put in position for you to move in my life. And I had that determination. I didn't know what awaited for me, but I had a determination. And the Lord started putting me on this process. 
and he will do the same for you. He's no respecter of persons. Doesn't mean, oh, well, because you're a minister, he's going to do stuff in your life and he's not going to do mine. Again, that's going back to the same old perspective you've always had about your life and about God that has to be changed. It has to be changed. If you want to see God move, you want to have an abundant, fulfilling, wonderful Christian experience, you have to let the Lord change you. And then I realized that he pulled me out of the pit. He pulled me out of that destructive behavior. He has changed me and transformed my life. I'm living this out. I have a new attitude. What's so funny, and I was telling pastor this, is that, you know, I find out I lose my job and, and several of my coworkers lost their job. And so it's been a little, you know, sad around the department. And um, my boss, who's not a Christian, came to me and she was very broken up because after 20 some years she's lost her job and and she was like asking me how i was and i'm like i'm fine and she's just like oh okay (laughs) and i have gotten to several times minister to those people who don't know the lord and they and my boss came back to me a few days later and she goes wow i'm really amazed at how well you're handling this she goes it must be your strong spirituality and i'm like it is and I've told many, many of them are like, you're going to pursue ministry, aren't you? And I'm like, wow, how did you even know that? Because they know, they know my passion. They know that I love the Lord. And so it has made such an impact on them. God is going to use everything to be able to give him glory. It's not because I think I'm so wonderful. Oh my goodness, I'm so not. I mess up so much. And I'm so, I'm so happy that the Lord has chosen me to go through this trial because I am growing and I am understanding him in a way I've never experienced before and I am trusting him it has been the delight of my life to know that after my prayers that he has answered them and he has come through and when I'm in the center of his will there is peace and strength that I never thought possible this is the power of when you want to grow in the Lord and be discipled. It's not just for new believers. It is for everybody. And if you're, not tr- if you're not actively trying to grow and you just come to church, I'm telling you, you're missing out on the greatest adventure of your life is to know him and to be more acquainted with him. He is amazing. And I am just so thankful. So my challenge as I close to all of us, where are you at? I asked my class to do a self-evaluation this week. Everybody has homework in my class because I believe in applying the word and not just being a hearer only. So they all have to go and they all have to evaluate where they're at. What are the root causes of your reactions? Do you have anger issues? There's a root cause there of why you're angry all the time. It's not just because you're just mad because someone pulled out in front of you. There's a reason why you're angry all the time. There's a reason why you're bitter. There's a reason why that you have a bad attitude and you're negative all the time. There are reasons for that. You need to ask the Lord what those are. And I also ask them to ask someone close to them to evaluate. You know, you can perceive how you think you are. But when your loved one tells you, you know, you're really kind of, you know, you're really negative all the time. You're like, what? I didn't think I was negative. Yeah, you really are. It's, it's important to get people who aren't going to tear you down but are going to give you constructive criticism. I want you tonight 
as we go into an, a time of altar, I just want you to pray. And I want you to ask the Lord to start that process in you of, are you stuck? Have you been doing it the same old, same old way and you're not getting anywhere? You need to submit yourself before the Lord and believe him tonight and start that process. I did it and it was in a prayer time of my own that I said, Lord, I want more. I want more. I want to believe you for more. And so I want you, if you will tonight, anybody who wants to, to make a, a time at this altar to do that and to really have the Lord evaluate you and where you're at and start, a, like I said, it's not going to happen overnight, but it's a process that has to begin. So if you would come, if anybody wants to, we're going to open these altars for you. Thank you. I just want to stand in Jesus' name. I just want to stand. I just want to stand in Jesus' name. Name, I just want to stand. Your word proclaim, no matter what people say, no matter what comes my way, I just want to stand. I just want to stand. I just want to stand Your word proclaim No matter what people say No matter what comes my way I just want to stand I just want to stand 
Jesus' name, I just want to stand. Your word proclaim, no matter what people say, no matter what comes my way, I just want to stand. Sing it one more time, yeah. I just want to stand. In Jesus' name, I just want to stand. Your word proclaim, no matter what people say. No matter what comes my way, I just want to stand. I just want to stand. Jesus' name, I just want to stand. Your word proclaim, no matter what people say. No matter what comes my way, I just want to stand. Oh, I just want to stand in Jesus' name. I just want to stand. Your word proclaim, no matter what people say, no matter what what comes stand. my way, I just want to stay. I just want to stay. Your word proclaim, Lord, no matter what comes, stand. no matter what people say. I just want to stay. I just want to stay. In Jesus' name, I just want to stay. Your word proclaim, no matter what people say, no matter what comes their way, I just want to stay. No matter what people say, no matter what comes my way, I just want to stand. Oh, no matter what people say, no matter what comes my way, I just want to stand. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, a wretch like me. I was blind, 
trust in the amazing grace of the Lord. Amen. Have you enjoyed Sister Melissa tonight? Didn't she bring a great word? Amen. Won't you stand with me? I took notes here in a couple things. She said, we are the outreach. Can I get an amen? You know, sometimes we want to talk about, well, they aren't doing outreach. We are the outreach. You are the outreach. Put your finger right here and say, I am the outreach. Amen. Said, we've got to go further than just saying we go to church. I like that. We are a follower. We're a believer in Jesus Christ. 
He loves us unconditionally. His love over us is never earned. That's good stuff. And I loved this, Melissa, when you said, when I am disappointed, it's because God did not meet my expectations. You know, my, my mind immediately, John went to the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus Christ himself said, nevertheless, not my will, not my expectations, but yours be done. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Love what she said when she, I, I don't know where she came up with this, but I don't know, I wrote it down, just Aunt Tilly. I just thought that was funny. I like that one. And I was thinking about what the song over my life is. Several songs begin to peruse in my mind, and I thought, I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. No, that's not my song. I thought about other songs like, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog, and that, that didn't work either. But then I remembered a scripture that says his, sound, his song, his song over me is love. His song over me is love. And how many of you know tonight, he loves us unconditionally. I've said it before and I'll say it again. He loves you now as much as he has ever loved you. And he will never love you more. And he will never love you less. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. I feel like all day, all day long, we're just going deeper. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the message. We leave here now, Lord, just empowered and ready to go to an end of our week. God, for your work to be accomplished through us and in us. And so we leave this house, Lord. We're not leaving the church. The church is leaving the building. And we're thankful for your love and your heart in our heart as we have given ourselves to you. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you.